welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez. We are so happy to be joined by special guest. He's back. The Daily Wire's own Josh Hammer. Back and hopefully better than ever, Sarah. Yeah, well, I we'll, mean, we'll I was ho- we'll just I was going to ask you to step it up a little bit. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're so happy you're here. Uh, Stu, what's the top story today? I should say I, I promise to be not quite as good as before. Oh. That's my promise today. <laughs> uh, I think that's the wrong way to do it. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> um, we have uh, 20 candidates who actually made the debates. Uh, they're split into two nights. The Democrats even screwed up that process, and we'll go over that. Okay. And Pat Gray from Pat Gray Unleashed. My Little Pony is making society a better place in oh. which to live. Oh, good. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited about oh, that. Oh, I can't wait to hear about that. Yeah. All right, Josh. AOC has a new video out. She's, com- she's comparing the illegal alien detention camps at the border to World War II Nazi-era concentration camps. Not a good luck. So we'll, we'll, we'll break that down. Yeah. I don't... I don't know how you don't see the yeah. resemblance in that. So obviously we've got a lot to get into. Uh, first, we want to thank our sponsor, Relief Factor. So um, Relief Factor has made it, would you say, you would say tolerable-ish yes. to be around Glenn? Tolerable-esque. Tolerable-esque. Uh, yeah, it's in the realm of tolerable. Uh, he's actually up in at the ranch this week, and so he is uh, doing physical work which I think is really amazing. He has minions that do most of the work for him, but occasionally he has to walk outside and yell at them or whatever he does. <laughs> uh, and just that is gonna, enough to cause Glenn lots of pain. Uh, and I know he used to do this all the time. Um, he used to have real problems with it, and he's been taking Relief Factor, feeling a lot better, able to go out and scream at minions almost all day long. So. I mean, and who doesn't want that? Mm-hmm. So if you are one of many who, you know, you haven't been able to scream at your minions, uh, you definitely want to try out Relief Factor. It's 100% drug-free, created by doctors. It's four key ingredients that fight the inflammation in your body, which, you know, is usually, that's what's causing your pain. So oftentimes you don't need big pharma to solve your problem for you. 70% of the people who buy their three-week quick start pack go on to keep ordering more. It's working for the majority of people. It can work for you if you're in pain. You can go to relieffactor.com, get that three-week quick start pack for $19.95. The odds are in your favor, and if not, you know, it's $19.95. I think that it's worth it to see if you can get out of pain. Relieffactor.com, or you can call 800-500-8388. Eight four. All right, Stu, breaking down the 2020 Democratic debates. Yeah, sometimes I get a little uh, despondent about the, uh, you know, sort of the current state of the Republican Party. And then you look at the Democratic Party <laughs> and you start feeling actually a little bit better. Uh, they, uh, this is amazing. So last time, of course, you remember, they were uh, famously hacked. And, and in that hacking process, uh, we found out that, the, you know, there was a bunch of people in the our, uh, DNC that were not so big fans of Bernie Sanders, maybe trying to tilt the scales a little bit towards Hillary. I can't imagine she would have lost anyway, but still that was kind of the, one of the takeaways, especially for activists. They were pissed off about that. So this time they wanted to make sure this is a completely free process. Like we are, our hands are off it. Just absolutely random. You get 65,000 do- individual donors, you're in. You get 1% in the polls, you're in. We, we swear. So, of course, they made these, these, uh, these standards so low that 20 people, the maximum they were going to allow, uh, made it into the debates. They had to split it over two nights. Now, of course, you remember this from the Republican 2016 campaign where they had sort of the big boy table, the adult table, and the kiddie table was kind of the setup of that, where you had people who were really competitive for the nomination, and then that secondary table of people who were there trying to, like, get from the minor to the major leagues. Mm-hmm. Well, that look wasn't exactly great. Plus, you're kind of saying then you have to make a choice if you're the DNC. And once again, what they wanted to make sure everyone knew, this was completely random this time. So they decided to actually kind of randomly pull the the candidates out of a hat, basically, and try to divide them over the two nights. Of course, 
that did not work out well um, because you now have, they were hoping to get a split of the major candidates. You get a few on one night, a few on the other. Didn't really happen. Here's your breakdown, and this is a, a June 26th and 27th are the two debates. The first one is going to have Elizabeth Warren, who is the only candidate in the top five of polls that made this debate. Wow. So all the other four of the five went the other way. So you got Elizabeth Warren, Beto O'Rourke, Cory Booker, uh, Julian Castro, Tulsi Gabbard, Jay Inslee, Amy Klobuchar, Bill de Blasio, John Delaney, and Tim Ryan. I know a lot of names that people are connecting <laughs> deeply to in that field. Uh, it's not a good one. So that you know, wow. it's an interesting kind of breakdown there. Is are people going to bother watching that first one? Here's the second one. This is where all the big names come into play. You got Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, of course, the top two. Then Buttigieg and Kamala Harris. Then Gillibrand, Michael Bennett, Marianne Williamson, Eric Swalwell, Andrew Yang, and John Hickenlooper. Hell of a crew they've put uh. together here. So this divide kind of brings up a lot of interesting uh, situations because, you know, this matters, right? Like the news and why it matters. It matters because it matters who the opponent is. This race is going to be really uh, important. Uh, And, you know, who's going to win this race? This is like if your team is going to the Super Bowl, you're watching the other conference championship game. Like you want to know. Um, So here's who does this actually help? I think it helps someone like Abedo O'Rourke, who has floundered so far in the polls. He will not have to deal with sort of the circus of a Bernie Sanders versus Joe Biden matchup. He's only going to have Elizabeth Warren. So these sort of secondary people who've been bubbling up in that let's say, sixth to eighth in the polls sort of range, have a chance to actually make a name for themselves, where if they were below Biden and Sanders, might not be the case. Amy Klobuchar sort of same story, I think. Uh, she kind of sits there as someone who has a lot of potential. Um, she's supposed to be a good debater. She comes from, she has a prosecutor background, so we kind of think that she might do well here. She has a very good electoral history, probably the best out of this, any candidate in this field, as far as like how well she's performed in elections. So she'll have a chance to do something. And Cory Booker, uh, I think it helps Cory Booker in a couple ways, the same way as Beto and Amy Klobuchar, will, you know, because she's kind of off that main stage. Secondarily, like Booker is particularly awful when he feels <laughs> like he has to really go for it, you know, so and the, the, like if he's trying to overwhelm and outshine Biden and Sanders fighting, God, I mean, there could easily be a Spartacus moment uh, going on <laughs> in that one. So I think that one's pretty rough. Who does it hurt? I think it hurts someone like Pete Buttigieg, who now... No, the, remember, America doesn't know who this guy is. You're listening to, the, you're watching the Blaze. You're going to the Daily Wire. People know who Buttigieg is, but America as a whole don't know. They don't know who this guy is. He's a complete unknown to them. I mean, a third of Democratic voters have never heard his name. That's how where this guy is. So, how is he going to shine through as the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, in this field? Kamala Harris, sort of the same thing. She's sort of a, you know, you put her kind of in that top tier. She's certainly in the top five of polling. But now behind a Sanders uh, fight with with, uh, you know, with uh, Biden, you know, is he going to be is she going to be able to kind of make a noise? She's again, though, another one that's supposed to be very good at debating from a prosecutor mm-hmm. background. Gillibrand, who like, cannot get a break. I mean, look, I think she's terrible. Uh, but like this is she there has been no bigger disaster in this Democratic campaign than Kirsten Gillibrand, who continually pulls at zero percent <laughs> behind people like Andrew Yang and Marianne Williamson. It's incredible. She's been you know, she's just been a total disaster. The other one I would bring up here is Bill de Blasio. And I, I think this one is a little bit different in that de Blasio actually would be would benefit, I think, from being in the middle of the fight, being able to get in between and take on um, a, a Biden or, uh, you know, a Sanders. I think like... You have Kami on Kami then. Yeah, Kami on Kami violence. Yeah, which happens a lot, actually. Which is good. It's fun. Uh, It is fun to watch. (laughs) Um, But, you know, he's a loudmouth. He's a New Yorker. He's the guy that wants to fight. And, like, he, he, I think, wants to shine. Maybe he'll be able to do that. But, again, is he going to yell at Elizabeth Warren? Like, that's... It's it's a different look than being able to yell at Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden. 
And last, I think I, the Elizabeth Warren one is the most interesting part of this. I'd love to get your, your thoughts on whether this helps or hurts her, because you could say it helps. She doesn't have to fight with Biden. She doesn't have to Bernie. She's the only front runner here. She's kind of alone. However, she also, you know, are people going to care about this first debate? I mean, it is like it does feel like the kitty table debate. Does she just look like, you know, the the, the front runner of the kitty table, which is a bad look for her as she's kind of coming on. She's been pulling very strong lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of comes at, the, at the, the, the end. You look at this and you say, we really have no freaking idea how this is going to come out. Other than the fact that likely Biden and Bernie will fight <laughs> at, uh, against each other and there will be a mess. Most likely it will be very little debating. A lot of little five-minute speeches. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's not going. This is a terrible way of deciding a presidential nomination. And to the Democrats, I think credit, they made the standards much more difficult for the next set uh, after this first couple of debates. So this field should get smaller relatively quickly. It, it probably should help Elizabeth Warren, but she's so awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's just so yeah. bad. She's really bad as a campaigner. As a human being. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not her judge, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying she's going to burn in the fires of hell. Um, <laughs> but you're not but, judging. Uh, but I'm not okay, judging. Okay, I don't want to judge. Mm-hmm. Don't mistake me there. Um, but so I think she'll probably blow it. But, you know, here she is with all the Lilliputians. She should dominate that debate. Mm-hmm. And I bet she doesn't. Josh, what's your take? Yeah, I mean, Liz Warren is less likable than General Warts, honestly, for (laughs) for being honest here. She fancies herself this big populist figure. I read some article yesterday. She's got this big student debt loan forgiveness plan. I'm going to butcher the exact numbers, but it was roughly that two-thirds of the benefits of her plan go to the top 40% of the income bracket. So she's not exactly Mm -hmm. this kind of, like, hard-charging, like, class warfare. She's a Boston elitist. She was a Harvard Law School professor. So I think she's also just a fraud, and I think that's kind of what you were getting at, Pat. Mm -hmm. Um, I look at that field of candidates, and honestly, one of my first takeaways is— Sarah, I do this for a living. I forgot that Tim Ryan was like even, even was even running for president. I mean, I remember, I remember when Tim Ryan challenged Nancy Pelosi for the speakership a few years ago. He's like this, like that's right, you know, allegedly moderate kind of Ohio Rust Belt kind of like forgotten uh, yeah. Reagan Catholic Democrat, if you will. But uh, I literally forgot he was running for president. So they've got now this field down quickly. I think Warren will probably benefit from being like the only notable person that first day. Um, I could see someone on that second day with all the heavy hitters, kind of like one of the lesser names, like like actually like being able to like take a cheap you know a cheap shot, a jab here at Biden or Bernie. I could see someone like maybe Swalwell doing it. I'm not really yeah. sure what I'm not really sure what that looks like, but it's it's possible. The other know. thing is, how pissed are we that Wayne Messam's not in the lineup? <laughs> I know <laughs> on either night. I know he's just not there. And Where's get, Ami Horowitz? I know. Right? I, I know. I wanted to get. We were hoping to get a Horowitz, yeah, Horowitz in there. I wonder how many donors he got to. I never. I never got that number. Uh, it's funny. Wayne Messam. He you know he's the mayor of Miramar, Florida, and you might say that doesn't sound like a big presidential candidate. It's bigger than South Bend. <laughs> yeah. Indiana. That is important to note. So somehow Pete has, is on the stage. I think it's racism by the Democrats. They don't want a black guy on stage. Wow. Oh, I think you wow. nailed it right there. You just uncovered it. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get to My Little Pony, mm-hmm. which I'm so excited about, let's take a quick break. We'll be back. I, don't, I feel like it's not the My Little Pony that I grew up with. Really? Do you think that that might be true? No, this is... All right, Pat, uh, what do you have to tell us about My Little Pony? They are helping better the next generation? Yes, they are teaching our children about lesbians. And I think that's, well, that's uppermost in all of our minds, isn't it? I I set my priority at, all right, kids, sit down. 
watch your cartoon and learn about homosexuality because <laughs> that's where I want you to learn it. Um, <laughs> the writer of the episode, The Last Crusade, has put in Aunt Holiday and Auntie Loft, and they are apparently two characters who are uh, with each other. They're, mm -hmm. they're lesbian ponies. And, uh, and do we know how it's portrayed in the show we, that it's they have not clear they're lesbian yet, ponies? But we're going to find out all okay. of that this week as the week progresses. Okay. Um, and there was a little debate about it on Twitter, like, oh, stop it. That's another right-wing conspiracy thing. So the writer cleared it up. Um, he replied to these messages, they are lesbians. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. Huh. Good. Good. Because uh, that's, yeah. uh, that's fascinating. It is. As a uh, zoologist, Pat, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. are there lesbian ponies no, in the real sexuals? Okay. Just gay <laughs> okay. men gay, or male. Gay male ponies. Gay male ponies. But there are. But there are no lesbians. Now there are ponies. gay animals or ganimals. Yes. There, uh, as <laughs> there it were. are ganimals. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, With ganimal gaydar. But are there are there lesbian animals? No, there, I, there are not. There aren't. No. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> Again, I, I say that as a zoologist. As a zoologist, <laughs> so you could take that right to the zoo. Um, yeah, he he says diversity and representation are important for kids for so many reasons, and it's my first priority on everything I work on. I, my first priority for my kids is please leave all sexuality out of cartoons. Please. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> I don't do. Have we ever seen an episode where the ponies are heterosexual? <laughs> they, are yeah. they having sex of any kind on My Little Pony? I don't think so. So why do we have to introduce lesbianism into a show that's not about sexuality? Just let them be kids, can't you? Can't you just let them be kids? Okay. And then when it comes time to explain lesbians or heteros, I'll do that. Uh, like you for everyone, or just you for your kids? <laughs> I'm thinking about doing it for just about everybody. <laughs> Does everyone come? Can you to think Pat's of anybody side? better? No, I don't okay. think so. You'll, you'll nail it. <laughs> it's a, it'll be an interesting journey. I yeah, I think I'll just nation. shake it over. I'll yeah. just, I'll just be the birds and the bees czar. That's all. We just recently saw this too with uh, the cartoon Arthur. That yeah. Arthur, there I guess yes. it was the teacher. The teacher had a a gay wedding. Oh wow! And so he right. walked down with his rat boyfriend soon right. to be spouse right and then married the the, the rats so. all right didn't they wink at the camera to like tell you like that was like hey guess this is what's happening in case parents you were wondering yes what <laughs> yes. you're seeing is happening yeah. Yeah. and then alabama got criticized yeah for not airing it yeah, right. exactly the yeah. uh, public television network didn't air it and i don't think they aired the episode where tom and jerry hooked up either uh which was uh <laughs> that was oh i mean the fact that they went that Launchy far stuff, that explicit yeah. i thought and was questionable the time. Well, oh, yeah, yeah that, they, they, <laughs> <laughs> they boycotted that one. So. But I mean, I do think it is an important, uh, an important clarification that you made, and that the Alabama Public Television Network made as well. That this isn't a homophobic stance. We're not, not saying that we're homophobic against it. It's just that's inappropriate, inappropriate, and something to leave for families to have the conversation yes. when they feel like it's the appropriate. Can time. you let our four-year-old kids be four-year-old kids? Right. That would but be nice. This is the pro problem, though, right? Because yeah. if you leave it to the parents, they get results they don't like. Mm -hmm. Parents might True. say they, that's not good, or that's maybe that's right. you know that's the same thing that's happened with the environment. I mean, that's the, to me like one of the worst ones you see. Because it's so feel-good, there's less controversy about it. I mean, God, how many freaking episodes of cartoons for little kids that you can see about recycling? It's like constant. Oh, yeah. And, like, you know, I, we could go through the whole recycling thing. I did a whole episode on that at one point. Um, but, like, the bottom line is, like, that's, a, that's an easy one, right? Like, that's it's, you, know, you think of it as harmless, and a lot of times it is, but it's like, 
it's constant. They're constantly berating you with these left-wing opinions. And when you, it, it's all conspiracy theory of the right until you ask them. And yeah. they say, like, we got into this business to change yeah. the world. Of course it's about saving the environment. Sesame of course Street is a good example of that. Yeah. They have now admitted, oh, yeah, we're, we're left-wing. Sure, we've been preaching that stuff to your kids the whole time yeah. since 1970. And it seems to be they did say, Bert and Ernie, yeah, they, they are gay. They did say that. It's, yeah, it's, it's, I, mean, I, I mean, hasn't like J.K. Rowling said that Dumbledore was gay, if I'm not yes. mistaken, right? Oh, yes. It's kind of similar. Yes. I mean, he, he, here's how I see this. The traditional conservative concern is that the government is going to encroach on the nuclear family and the church and your, in, your, in your private space and try to reach your children. That is still absolutely a concern. But what I think we are increasingly seeing is that it's also private institutions that are also culturally hegemonic is a term I would use in such a way. It's the media, it's the academy, it's Hollywood. They are all kind of banding together because the Fortune 500, the, uh, the Ivory Tower and, our, and, the, and the Professoriate in Hollywood are all kind of coming around to spew this same leftist agenda. The, 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 uh, homosexuality is near the top of that agenda. And it, this is, as you said, Sarah, this is not about homophobia. This is about who is responsible for raising your children. Yeah. And here the government is, in my mind, indistinguishable from what I just called these private culturally hegemonic actors because they're pushing the same thing. Yeah. yeah so the, and like the Hollywood, they'll, they'll eventually admit it, right? Like it comes down at the end. Like, and if you ask them about influence, like one of the things they'll cite is the, the, the change in smoking, right? Like they stop smoking on, in movies and stop trying to make it cool. And, and when you ask about something like that that's not controversial, they'll absolutely come out and admit, mm -hmm. yes, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to influence it. We don't want people to think this is cool. It's the same thing everywhere else. And they will admit it when you ask them yeah. and press them on it. Yeah. Uh, Josh, AOC. Yeah, wow. Uh, she does it again. She does it a lot, it seems, these days. Um, so she's got a new video out, Sarah, where she is talking about how the illegal alien detention facilities at our border are equivalent to concentration camps in Nazi Germany. There's really no other way to take away what she said other than that. And where, to, where to begin? Yeah, let, let's go ahead and play that yeah. for the viewers before we get into yeah. the conversation. The United States is running concentration camps on our southern border. And... Yeah. That is exactly what they are. They are concentration camps. Oh, man. And, um, and if that doesn't bother you, like, I don't like, 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 I don't know. I like, like we can no. have, okay, whatever. I want to okay, talk whatever. to the people that are concerned enough with humanity mm. to say that we should not, that never again means something. And that, um, the fact that concentration camps are now an institutionalized practice in the home of the free is extraordinarily disturbing. Yeah, so you know what? I generally try not to make it personal, but I'm going to make this personal, okay? Hi, I'm Jewish. I had a relative, Israel Spinrad, who passed away at the age of 96 two months ago. He was sent with his entire family to Birkenau when he was a teenager. His mm. siblings and his father were immediately murdered upon arriving there. He was separated from his mother. He got out of Birkenau, went to Italy, randomly found his mother by pure happenstance after the war, went to Israel, then eventually settled in Brooklyn where he lived for decades. He was actually a, a, a religious observant Jew his entire life. He just passed away two months ago. Nazi Germany was uniquely evil. It is the world's most brutally, systemically executed genocide against a minority, a minority citizen population, by the way. Mm -hmm. 
That is one thing that is incredibly different here. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's hold aside for a second the fact that we're talking mass murder versus just detention to wait for your asylum hearing, okay? Mm-hmm. These Jews were citizens. They were Polish citizens, Hungarian citizens, German citizens, etc. So that is a huge distinction right off the bat. They were living in their own country. They were citizens in right yes. in their own homes, okay? It is just beyond offensive. And, like, I'm not trying to, like, play the victim here, but as a Jew who supports border security and supports, mm-hmm. you know, legal immigration but not illegal immigration, these are not the same thing. And it is just ridiculous how those on the left repeatedly invoke Holocaust imagery to describe ICE, to describe CBP, and describe the immigration enforcement. Cory Booker, just a few weeks ago, did the exact same thing. He was talking about how uh, Hondurans and Salvadorans who are fleeing up to our border are equivalent to how infamous, uh, infamously FDR turned around a ship of Jews fleeing the Holocaust. I think, I think it was in Miami, Florida. It was in the Port of Miami. He turned them around. They all went back to their death. Okay? Asylum law under the United States is literally meant to protect exactly the kind of people that FDR turned around. Religiously, ethnically persecuted minorities. Same thing with, with the Coptic Christians in Egypt who are being slaughtered by radical Islamics there. Same thing with the Yazidis in Iraq who were slaughtered by ISIS. That is who asylum law is meant to protect. It is not the same thing as people fleeing economic hardship, okay? which is what, which, which, what the overwhelming majority of this current legal immigration wave is. But for AOC to do this is just... Despicable. It's despicable. It's, despi- it's shameful. It's it gross. Um, I'm not trying to like get my blood pressure up, but it's just happening naturally. I mean, like, this is not okay. And, like, it's just not okay to talk about contemporary public policy debates that have nothing to do with the bloodiest Holocaust and genocide ever with that. So You have every right to be pissed. I'm, yeah. I, I'm pissed, and I'm not Jewish. Mm-hmm. But how do you feel about rematriating the land? <laughs> <laughs> That's what her shirt says? We, yeah, yeah, we can't right, ignore right. the backward message. Yeah. Well, I, I, at least she used a good opportunity yeah, that she, she was on yeah, the platform she, she to did. draw attention to that. She did. Very important. And thank goodness, because how often have we talked about oh, rematriating yeah. the land? I know, I've it, seen the bumper sticker on your car. It takes up the whole back window. Yeah, the whole back window now. And you have it backwards, just in case someone's looking at it Exactly, which, which is, surprised me that she did the same thing. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't I, even know how to. I, I do want to. So I do want to get get into this a little bit more. Um, Matriating the land. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I but do too. also AOC's comments, um, and I have a couple additional questions for you, Josh. But um, I want to get to it in overtime because I want to make sure that we have enough time to do that. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be back. Mm, that's unbelievable. Oh, God. Who taught her how to talk? Also. All right, before we go, I want to remind everyone about the Mercury One Museum that is coming. Um, When are the dates, Stu? It's the end of this Uh, month. Yes, it's the end of this month till July 7th. It's here in the studios. Uh, It has a lot of really amazing stuff um, from, you know, history, from current, you know, stuff going on around the world right now as well. Uh, You can go get tickets uh, at Mm mercuryone.org. I know uh, Jeffy and I are doing a tour together uh, in which we will discuss his heart attack. He's surviving a tornado. <laughs> we will throw things at him. There's a lot of great parts of that tour mm. if you're interested in that. But Glenn has tours. David Barton has tours, I know. There's a lot of really cool stuff going on with it. Uh, so make sure to go to mercuryone.org. And Overtime's coming up. We are not done with the conversation. Um, so you want to make sure to go to Blaze TV to catch that. You also, at blazetv.com, you also get uh, other awesome shows like Pac-Ray Unleashed mm. that you yeah, can also find at Blaze right. TV. So, Six to eight central, seven to nine mornings it's i've uh, i've filled in for you i don't know how you do it it's it's so early it's so early i'm just mad the rest of the day when i do it we'll see you guys next
Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. All right, Josh, uh, getting back to AOC's comments, I struggle with this because while I do think she is actually very stupid, um, (laughs) I wonder if the comments are not intentional um, to create, you know, this um, conflation between two things that she knows is not the same, but she would like everyone else to think it's the same. Do you, which one do you think it is? Do you think she's truly just clueless or do you think it's some sort of intentional you know with uh, with probably any other person other than AOC I would say you're probably smart enough to know the difference here with her (laughs) with her I genuinely don't know (laughs) I mean like I'm not in like the Donald Trump tweeting like low IQ individual game but she's just legitimately not a smart person okay so I actually have no idea like what her history courses consisted of I just I have no idea Mm. most people I think Cory Booker when he compared like what was going on Cory Booker went to like Yale Law School like an Mm -hmm. Oxford Rhodes scholar okay Cory Booker knows better Mm -hmm. AOC I legitimately don't know but she had a she got a master's yes, in economics, a, a BU. Double, it? yeah, it was a, yeah, and like economics she, and what foreign relations. She shouldn't be as dumb as she is. I feel like you know. I mean, how did she graduate? I feel like you know the people at Boston University just like want to burn the, all the buildings down. Just be like, <laughs> we give up. Uh, let's just leave, leave an empty pit here of uh, steaming buildings. Um, I feel like uh, with her, I think she thinks. This is you know I'm reading into her mind a little bit, but I think she thinks she's being intentionally brave. Mm. Like, I think she thinks she's doing this. She knows it's going to piss people off, I think. But she thinks it's just, like, the brave thing to do. Like, it's, like, telling this uncomfortable truth that no one else wants to admit. And, like, you know, because she's constantly surrounded by people who just reinforce her. And when you look at the comments on there, there's very little pushback on anything that she's saying. I think she's, you know, look. And, look, I can actually understand it from her perspective. She's obviously a dunce that was working as a bartender two years ago and now is running the Democratic Party. So, like, I would be pretty confident with what I was doing, too. I I can understand how this happens, but I think that's the cause of it. I I don't think she is like, you know what, I'm going to calculate and piss off all these Republicans Mm -hmm. today. I think she's just like, I'm the only one who will tell the truth. I'm AOC. I I rule the world. Right. And and here's the thing. I'm not going to call AOC an anti-Semite, but she does pal around. She Mm -hmm. routinely apologizes for Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar. Mm -hmm. If I'm not mistaken, AOC either expressly supports BDS against Israel or at least is like ambivalent at, at, at the at the best towards it. So she approaches anti-Semitic public policy stances. I'm not going to call her an anti-Semite right now, but suffice to say that if this were a historically uh, equivalent situation for a non-Jewish population, let's say, oh, I don't know, like maybe like a Muslim population, I don't think she would be doing it. Yeah. Um, Pat, it's interesting to me that, you know, obviously we are all xenophobic we're racist. Um, mm-hmm. Our own president is literally Hitler. He's taking these people into concentration camps, yet they're still coming. Yeah. By Isn't the, that interesting? By the millions. Yeah. <laughs> I, you would think fact. that they'd be running the other direction, yet they're still trying to get here. It seems <laughs> bizarre point. to me. That is a great point. I mean, they obviously must be, at some level, preferring what they're getting here to what <laughs> right. they had, right? right? Like, there's a fundamental choice they're making, and it's not like the yeah. stuff hasn't been publicized well. You know, I mean, we, like people know that you're go, you're walking right into the concentration camp, as AOC would call it, and they're just like, yeah, like let's let's we, go for we it. We want to do that. If I remember my history right, that's not the case uh, in these past conflicts. This is uh, they very much did not want to go there, um, and that right. shows how ridiculous the claim is. Yeah, but we've talked about in the past how uh, we thought when Trump got into office that the 
illegal uh, immigrant entrances would would lessen, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then and then, but eventually you're going to have to actually build the wall, mm-hmm. or it can't be just create, tough talk, mm-hmm. right? For a while, tough talk will work, and it did and for it a did, little while, yeah. but it's not working anymore. But now he's starting the really tough talk again by saying he's going to uh, deport millions of people starting next week. Yes. So we'll see what happens then if that kind of reduces the flow, because if I'm coming here from 1,700 miles away. And I think you're just going to turn around and deport me back to where I came from. I may not make the effort. So maybe this will have an impact. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Josh, while you're here, uh, we, need to, we need to utilize your big brain <laughs> while you're here and uh, talk about the double jeopardy ruling that SCOTUS just recently put out. Yeah. So fascinating case out yesterday, Gamble the United States. The, the question presented here is with respect to the double jeopardy clause in the Fifth Amendment. And the actual language of the clause basically says you can't be tried twice for the same offense. Mm-hmm. From, a, from a legal standpoint, it's the word offense that is at issue here. So think about it. Is, is, is offense the actual criminal conduct? Or is offense how one sovereign entity in its criminal code defines what is proscribed or and banned. Mm-hmm. So, for, for instance, for 170 years in U.S. case law, there's been what's known as the dual sovereignty exception to the Double Jeopardy Clause. And what that means in plain English is that the federal government and the state and the state government can each prosecute you for what looks like a similar offense. But because in our system of federalism, the states and the federal government both retain their own spheres of sovereignty, that that is, does not violate the, the Double Jeopardy Clause. So yesterday, really interesting breakdown. It's a 7-2 split. Uh, they basically say that we were not wrong for 170 years, that this exception is an exception because offense is not just the conduct. It's how the actual sovereign entity defines the offense under their criminal code. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justice Alito, who's a very, very, very law and order kind of uh, conservative, writes the opinion for the court. Clarence Thomas writes a fascinating concurrence, like straight into my bloodstreams kind of concurrence, <laughs> like uh, footnote five, questioning judicial supremacy, like everything I've written about for the past five years. Like I was just like giddy as a kid in a candy store reading that thing. Two, <laughs> two, two dissenters, Justice Ginsburg and Justice Gorsuch. Really, it's a really interesting split. Ginsburg basically writes a typical kind of pro-criminal defendant dissent. Uh, Gorsuch, though, has a very intellectually compelling, I would say, dissent. Uh, It's not frivolous. I mean, conservatives need to take it seriously. Mm -hmm. He's citing a lot of Blackstone and kind of like 1700s English case law. I think Alito probably has the better of the argument, but I'm not solely convinced. I mean, my rule of thumb is that Clarence Thomas gets like a 95% rebuttable presumption of correctness on a constitutional (laughs) issue. Uh, He he messes up, but it's, it's really rare. Yeah. Um, yeah. But fascinating case, great split. Gorsuch continues to establish himself as a more libertarian-leaning conservative. Alito is your classic law and order, kind of tough on criminal, kind of conservative. Thomas somewhere in the middle. Just from a, from a legal nerd standpoint, Sarah, great stuff. <laughs> too. I think it's really fascinating because, I mean, I, I, when you think of just generally the concept of double jeopardy, like if you do something wrong, the idea that you can get tried in two places for it seems, uh, you know, mm-hmm. seems wrong, right? It, it seems like it violates it, but I can see how, I mean, especially if you were to have like, you know, with the codes being slightly different, right? Like they're kind of two different offenses, but if you did one thing, you know, it feels wrong that you would have that secondary sort of push to to get you know convicted mm-hmm. of it, and it also like allows the government a lot of leeway in being able to write of something that they think is wrong, which is 
at times, like you know, like you know, the, the OJ thing, right? Like you have like the conviction, and then you have the civil thing, and at least at least we got something out of that, even though they got the first one wrong. Like it opens that up a little bit. It feels as if it's something that they could utilize in that way. It feels which, like a second chance yeah, opportunity to yeah, convict yeah. you because they couldn't the first time. Yeah, right. and that that yeah. you know it makes it's nervous. It, it makes me a little nervous, um, but I do understand it. I, I also feel like there's a um, there's an interesting part when it comes to pardons on this, and that like in theory, like you know. If Trump were to, and of course we're talking about Trump because he's in there now, but like if Trump were to pardon someone and then the, the state could then go and try him for the same thing and, and sort of like, or could he pardon for both? Well, apparently not now. Um, I, it's a fascinating sort of uh, uh, back and forth. I, I, you know, I, I tend to always, when I get in these situations where I'm not sure, tend to like one aside as to lessen the power of the government to do whatever it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe, I, I, I mean, I haven't read the whole ruling. I feel like reading Gorsuch might be really interesting on this, just, just to get, to kind of get a sense of him as a, as, as a, as a Supreme Court jurist as well. Just like to be able to like really understand uh, where he's coming from. I, I feel happy with him right now, like, uh, and I feel much mm-hmm. more nervous about Kavanaugh, so... Uh, I don't know. That might be a worthwhile read. The other interesting aspect about this was that Gorsuch and Ginsburg yeah. were on the same side of this, mm-hmm. which doesn't seem logical, but um, it's kind totally of different reasons, right? Yeah. yeah. But it's interesting to see two people so ideologically different on the same side of an issue showing you that's not just a partisan thing. They're actually trying yeah. to noodle that one out. And also, I think interesting to see like a Sotomayor not beat with Ginsburg. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, I you know that's a, that's yeah. a fascinating one as well. And that's you know because a lot of the, a lot of this talk. I mean, like I know like Buttigieg has some plan about the Supreme Court and like I you know, and the, everyone talks about it as this right left thing. And we need to have to come way for like presidents to name three and they all leave. You know, it's like you need to back up and say like a lot of times. Uh, people are just really trying to do what they think is right in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been a lot of these splits lately that have not come across those 5-4 lines, and I yeah, think that's healthy. The Ginsburg-Somayar split is arguably even more fascinating to me than any other split, because those two never disagree. Yeah. I, I mean, they are probably... This is me being a very cynical lawyer here. They are probably the two most outcome-oriented jurists on the court. I, I hate to say it that bluntly, but that's just, I think, that's yeah. just reality. They are. I think Kagan is markedly better than, than, for sure. than Sotomayor or Ginsburg, for, for our mm-hmm. purposes, uh, as someone who sees the Constitution that way. For sure. Um, yeah, she actually occasionally will come out with something that's mildly sensible, be on the right side of things. She's a good writer, too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, before we go, did you guys see the LeVar Ball controversy <laughs> on ESPN? You saw it? I think I did. I didn't. Oh, okay. he's got, now he's going to New Orleans, right? And he got traded. You, well, yes, but that's not the controversy. Okay. Um, he was on a on a on one of their talk shows, and oh, well, he, this is the dad. Okay. he said something really extremely offensive um, on air to a female host. Watch. Oh, no. Go ahead, go LeVar, ahead. Before I, I get back que- to him, Lavar, can I switch gears with you? Because I have a question you here. You can switch gears with me anytime. Okay. <laughs> Let's stay oh, focused Lord. here. All right. Um, <laughs> So that was in fact that was it? so. That was it. That was it. That was you so can offensive. Switch gears with me anytime. Yes, that was so offensive. ESPN had to come out and like issue a statement what? about his comments. Uh, you Is know, apologizing. A, for how could that behavior. even be misconstrued? I don't. I, I actually don't get it. Like, they say it's like a sexual reference. Apparently. Switch your gears, okay? Apparently, he does make a hand gesture. You gotta kind of use your imagination, though, right? <laughs> you do. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta really, really wow. push hard to try to make that. Oh God, this something constant like our Indiana Jones search to be offended. Uh-huh. I, like it's like ah, you have to be a freaking archaeologist to really discover the hidden truth of how you're supposed to be offended on any given day. I, I just don't even understand. It's it. incredible, and I wonder too if if that female um, host had not 
kind of stuttered and made it kind of yeah. a thing mm-hmm. if anyone would be talking about it now. Yeah, probably not. But now she's getting attention, so it's good for her. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as females, we're being taught now if we just draw attention to a stupid, <laughs> innocent joke, we'll oh. get, you know, we'll get all this attention on ourselves. Oh, it's yeah. this goes unbelievable. Back to, uh, it was uh, uh, um, CNN. Uh, this is what, two, two years ago. Um, uh, and uh, the, I can't remember who it was. Uh, he was on the air of a sports host and he was like, oh, well, uh, you know, he said something about boobs. He said like uh, boobs and, and, and oh, Clay, oh, Clay, Clay Travis. Travis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It was Clay Travis, that's right. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, he said the word boobs on the air. And yeah. like, she, the, the host, acted as if it was like the, cr- like, she couldn't even believe a person would say such a word. It was like the old, like literally out of the Puritan's age. And she came in like a pilgrim and was so stunned. And like they go to commercial, like two seconds later, they're doing this like Christian Amanpour five day special about sex around the world. And you're like, first of all, that's horrific. Like the idea that you're thinking about Christian Amanpour and sex in the same like universe is really terrible. Uh, but like, the, like they act so offended. And then they will say when, you know, a, uh, a conservative is like, I really would rather not have my little pony hooking up with the other p- girl pony on uh, in the middle of the cartoon. Like, we're, we're the Puritans. Like, right. we're the ones that... Mm-hmm. It's, right. like, amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, these, these, they're not even... It's not even real, right? Like, and that, I think you're right. The reaction to it um, is what sells it. If you can come up with that nice reaction of, oh my God, I'm shocked, and create that moment that can go viral, and that is now your job. It's not about listening to what he's saying. It's not about saying, like, okay, it's a playful comment from a guy. Like, funny. He's just joking, or anytime. Yeah, like, you can't just take it in the spirit that it's. Wasn't the feminist leftist stance in the 1990s that Bill Clinton could continue to have sex with whoever the heck he wanted to as long as as he supported abortion? Moveon.org. We talked about that yesterday. Mm -hmm. Like, my favorite organization organization in the world right now because like, it was created to say move on from sexual assault move on from sexual harassment guys you conservatives wow. you're so focused on this sexual stuff come on now all they talk about is me too stuff i mean it was basically a move on from me too yeah and that it's still one of the most prominent democratic organizations around yeah uh, all right yesterday's poll how should president trump handle the crisis at the border while the democrats block his progress on the wall interesting results 63 percent of you said shut down the border entirely <laughs> okay wow that is a hard stance 27 percent said make a deal with mexico 10 percent of you said just don't just stop trying to make a deal and put tariffs on them for crying out loud uh did not anticipate the hardline stance of 63% yeah, of you. It's the internet. Just <laughs> that's, that's what shut down the border. Making a deal does not sound fun on the internet. You just say the hardest core <laughs> thing. You say, right? Okay, but I mm-hmm. feel like you guys are not remembering that we lose avocados if we do that. Well, I mean, they can uh, still throw is... avocados over the fence, I suppose. <laughs> you can be over there to catch them. I would be over and... there to catch them because... <laughs> They are delicious, no matter what you say. Uh, All right, today's poll. Should President Trump avoid war with Iran at all costs? Let us know what you think. Josh, I know you're interested in this particular topic. Uh, At all costs is the key word there. Uh, No at all costs, but we obviously do not want a war. But this is a uniquely hostile regime, so we need to take it extremely seriously. Yeah. Pat? Yeah, I'm thinking we don't need another war in the Middle East. Are you? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I would do this because at almost all costs, right. I would be convinced. Right. They're obviously right. they could do something, right? They right. start yes. firing missiles at our ships. They could attack. Like, yes, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, almost mm-hmm. all costs. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know what you think at the Blaze's Twitter. That is at the Blaze. Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Always again. a pleasure. And we will see you guys tomorrow. You have to get your avocado toast for dinner. Or what do you? Mean? Well, not the toast because that's not keto. Oh, okay. So straight I'm avocado. On, I'm on keto too right now. Yeah. 
Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.